I'm going to continue this morning in our, in our, uh, our series, The Way Forward. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd like you to please write down undivided. Undivided. You know, I love the beginning of the year. You know, for some, it's an opportunity to reset, to reevaluate, and to quote-unquote get right. Does anybody know what I mean by a get-right game? If you're, if, you're a, if you're a football fan, if you're a sports fan of, of any kind, you know what a get-right game is. It's when your team plays like absolute garbage one week, and then the next week they're playing against an inferior opponent, and they have a chance to quote-unquote get right. Listen, I, I got to be honest with you. I believe that 2023 is a get-right year for the church. I believe 2023 is a get-right year for the church. You know, I gave... I gave this word in early 2022. I was on a prophetic podcast with, uh, with, uh, with my friend Patrick Kitely. And he just asked me, you know, Joel, what do you feel like the, the, the Lord is saying to the church? And the Lord had given me a word a few nights before about 2020 and 2021 and the effect that it was going to have on 2022. And what he said, what, what the Lord spoke to me is I had this vision of a fight, of two people getting into a fight. If you've, anybody in here ever been in a fight before? You know what I noticed, you know, not that I was a brawler back in the day, like, I, like it's not really me, but I got into a couple of fights, especially in high school, you, you know, you kind of push each other around a little bit and then you argue for the next six weeks about who won the fight. <laughs> but I got into like a couple of real fights when I was in high school and one of the things I noticed about fight, oh, and I got into a lot of real fights with my brother. One time he hit me so hard before church that I had knuckle marks across my forehead. <laughs> And my mom saw me and she was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And my brother was like, oh, he fell into a doorknob. <laughs> I didn't fall into a doorknob. <laughs> oh, this thing came off. Can I toss this over? One of the things you notice about being in a fight is that while you're in the fight, your adrenaline is high enough that you can take a lot of punishment and not feel it very much. But what I noticed is, is that once you get out of a fight and that adrenaline starts going down, you start being like, ah, oh, what happened to me? It's like getting into a car accident. I got into a car accident when I was about 20 years old. I was in Moscow, Idaho. I was driving about 35 miles an hour down the main street and about 100 feet from me at a stop sign. <laughs> Holy Ghost was just like, yeah, tell this one. Anyway. Went about 35 miles an hour down the main street. This young lady is stopped at the stop sign, literally 100 feet from me, like probably, I'm trying to think of what 100 feet is, maybe from me to that, that pole right there in the back. She looks left, looks right, looks left again in my eyes, pulls out in front of me, and I smash into her going about 35 miles an hour. When I get out of the car... Like, I didn't really feel anything. I get out of the car, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Everything was fine, and she asked me if I was okay. I was like, yeah, I'm fine, no problem. The next morning, I wake up, and my knee is swollen up to like the size of a volleyball. I didn't understand why it didn't swell up the day before, but it was because there was so much adrenaline coursing through my body, I didn't recognize that there were wounds that I had received that my body didn't register yet. The word that the Lord gave me in early 2022, as he said, don't be surprised when the church goes through upheavals. Don't be surprised when there are divisions. And don't be surprised when there are real, real problems that arise. But remember, they're not from a present fight. They're from a past one. Yeah. 
And what I saw in 2020, it's funny, I was just talking to our pastoral staff about this. I was like, man, we, we saw so much stuff happen, not just in our church, but in other churches, where all of these problems seemed to crop up out of nowhere. And then I remembered the word that the Lord gave me. Listen, in 2022, the church was in a real big fight. We didn't recognize some of the divisions and some of the stress cracks that we had from the fight that we were in, but we began to experience the overall outcome of it when the adrenaline went down. Listen, I've almost never seen the church so united as it was in 2020. But because some of the heat came off in 2022... Some of the vision cropped up that we didn't see coming that ultimately was the wounds of a fight that we had already been through. But I believe that 2023 is going to be a year where those divisions cease because we remind ourselves who our real enemy is. So I love this time that we're taking to fast and pray as a body, but the word that I have today is a challenge both to me personally and to us corporately. And maybe I would ask you this question, what does it mean to fast? Look, what does it mean to pursue God? You know, I was thinking about this particular passage of Scripture. I'm not going to go to it because it's, it, I just kind of put it in my notes earlier. But it's interesting to think that as John, when John the Baptist was jailed and Jesus began his ministry, do you ever notice that what Jesus preached was not really all that different from what John preached? Like the ministry didn't necessarily fundamentally change. John's words to the people were, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. uh, Jesus' word to the people, the first thing he said was what? I'm here. No, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's interesting, at one point in scripture, John's disciples, John's disciples come to him and they say, they say, they say, master, there's this guy, the guy that you talked about is out there preaching the same message that you did. Why did they come to him with that? Because they were jealous for their friend. They're like, listen, man, this guy's starting to stand on your platform a little bit. Like the thing that you just got jailed for, he's preaching. How does that make you feel? I love John's response. He must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. Can I tell you? Here's the big idea this morning. When practicing spiritual disciplines, the focus is as important as the form. The focus is as important as the form. I'm going to say a couple of things this morning that aren't in my notes that I'm just going to say because I want to say them. Fasting social media is not a fast. It's a discipline. Let me put it to you this way. If you're fasting social media, but you plan on like, you know, on, on, on January 22nd about getting back on social media as much as you were in 2022, you didn't fast. You practiced discipline for 21 days. There's a reason why in scripture, aside from Daniel, I'm going to say this aside from Daniel, and I'm going to, I'm going to quantify this by saying, I can't back this up scripturally, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this. There's part of me that actually believes that the reason why Daniel didn't fully fast is because I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced he could. What I mean by that is that like, there are people in this room, there are people in this room that if they fasted for 21 days straight might actually die medically. 
I think the reason why we see Daniel not fully fast for the, for the time that he did, he did it twice. He did it first in, in, in Daniel chapter 1 and then again in Daniel chapter 9. I'm pretty convinced that the reason why Daniel didn't do a full fast is because he couldn't. But nowhere else in Scripture is a fast anything other than food. Why? Because it's presumed that you're going to go back to food. Like you can't just fast your whole life. You would die. Can I tell you what you won't die from? Quitting social media. Can I tell you what you won't die from? Not listening to Fox News anymore. Can I tell you what you won't die from? Not drinking soda. See, some of us, what's happening, I'm sorry, this seems really harsh. I apologize. But what I need you to hear, what I need you to hear We lack so much discipline in the American church that we're calling discipline fasting, and then when the fast is over, we go back to no discipline. We're going to go to Isaiah 58. I'm just going to read most of the chapter here. We're going to go about 12 verses. Because I want you to hear the flip side of fasting. This is what it says. And if you, if you go into your Bibles right now, and if your Bible has headings on it, the heading for this entire chapter will be true fasting. It says, cry out loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a ram's horn. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is, listen, like a nation that does what is right, and does not abandon the justice of God. I want you to understand that he says, like a nation, not as a nation. Like a nation. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. Then it says this, why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. This is the Lord's response. Look, You do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast that I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? But isn't this the fast that I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the poor and homeless into your house? To clothe the naked when you see him and not ignore your own flesh and blood? Then... Your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger-pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness, and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you 
satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be, you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. You know, I think my first fast as a believer was probably a Daniel fast. Back in the 90s, anybody remember the 90s? Back in the 90s when Daniel fasts were like the thing. Okay, like everybody at one point in time read some book about a Daniel fast and was like, have you heard about this thing called a Daniel fast? Let's all do a Daniel fast together. I remember doing a Daniel fast and I was absolutely miserable. At that point in time, like I was in high school, like most of my, you know, most of my diet was protein, aka chicken strips from the local deli. Like most of my diet was pretty unhealthy. You know, I like I played sports all the time, so I was burning like 8,000 calories a day. And I remember this 21-day span where all I ate was like vegetables and fruit. But the thing was, is that fruit is really expensive, especially at this time of year. So really, I was eating a lot of salads, a lot of salads. And I remember being so miserable about this fast because the problem that I was running into, the problem that I was running into is that I was so focused on my fast, I was so focused on my fast that I wasn't focused on what the fast was supposed to be producing. I was so focused on the fast that I wasn't focused on what I should have been pursuing. See, some of us have compartmentalized our life to the degree that outside of our prayer life, our church attendance, and quote-unquote other spiritual things that we're doing in our spiritual life, that what we're doing in our spiritual life has little to no effect on what happens in our real life. In essence, I need you to understand, listen, I need you to understand that there are multiple scriptures in the Old Testament that seem to indicate, see, if we listen, if we read again through Isaiah 58, what it sounds like God is saying is, stop fasting. Is that actually what God is saying? No. In the same way that right here in Psalm chapter 40, verse 6, David says this, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings, listen to this, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Is that true? Not at that point in history it wasn't. See, sometimes when we read passages of scripture like this, that seem to fly in the face of other biblical truths, we have to begin not by saying, oh wow, I guess this cancels out the other one. We have to start by saying, what is this actually referring to? What does David mean in the old covenant when he said, God doesn't require sacrifices. God doesn't require fasting. God doesn't want this. God doesn't want that when he's clearly said that he has. Listen, I gotta tell somebody in the room that two things, can simultaneously be true. God wants you to fast. And he also wants to change how you're living permanently. He also wants to change how you're living permanently. 
Isaiah 58 is not telling people to stop fasting. Psalm 40 wasn't telling the Jewish people to stop their sacrifices. Isaiah 111, which effectively says, I have enough burnt offerings, isn't telling the Hebrews to stop bringing offerings. These verses are a reminder to the reader and listener that spiritual disciplines are not designed to make you feel better. They're designed to help you act better. If we are fasting and nothing is changing, our fast is in vain. If we are seeking God and nothing is changing, our seeking is in vain. It's partially why when Jesus talked to the people and he said, when you pray, you know what he didn't start out with? He didn't immediately start out with, say this. He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the guys that go out into the marketplace when they're fasting that put on sackcloth and ashes because all they desire is to be seen by people. All they want is for people to look at them and say, wow, that dude is spiritual. Do you see the level of sackcloth that he's got on? Crazy. Can I tell you the truth? I don't want to look more spiritual. I want to be more spiritual. You know, Stephen, something I've noticed about going to the gym is on days I go to the gym, I tend to eat a lot more clean. Like I don't walk. You know what? Can I tell you what the worst part about going to Club Energy is? Or the club, excuse me, it's not Club Energy anymore is that you walk out the door and you are like assaulted by the smell of french fries. <laughs> you know, I mean like Kelly's is right there and like the immediate like the immediate temptation is I just worked out. I've earned this, man. <laughs> but like I realize like I just worked out for over an hour. Like, I don't want to walk right out of the gym and straight into Kelly's for a burger and waste the hour that I just spent on 15 minutes of gorging. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Like, when I look at my watch, like as it gets, like, as I'm like, a, you know, how many of you realize that unless you have, like, unless you're tracking your workout, it doesn't count? That's scientific, by the way. But like what I've noticed about like an hour of working out is that I still only burn like 500 calories. You want to know how, the, how much the average burger from Kelly's is? It's like a thousand calories. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, like if I, if I get like the plain burger, I basically need to work out for two and a half hours just to make up for that one burger. That's crazy. Sorry if you work at Kelly's. I'm not dunking on you. I'm just being honest. Fasting and prayer. Listen, I need you to hear this. Fasting and prayer should actually highlight areas of needed change in my life, not just put a band-aid over places in my life that I don't want to look at. I can't hide what's going on in my spirit by fasting and prayer and saying, whoa, 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 hang on. I fast and pray, though, so it's totally cool that I treat people like dirt. Listen, what Isaiah is highlighting isn't that the, the, the Israelite people were doing something wrong by fasting. He was highlighting the hypocrisy that they were doing it in. 
He was saying, listen, you guys are fasting. You're, you're fasting at home. You're fasting in public. And yet you're still treating people around you like they don't matter at all. You're trying to, you're trying to get closer to the Lord by acting nothing like him. How does that work? They were fasting and praying for breakthrough while simultaneously oppressing their fellow Jews and wondering why they weren't seeing God move the way that they wanted him to. Here's the definition of a divided life. That I can separate my life into unrelated sections of behavior and vision. I can pray and believe for breakthrough while simultaneously indulging in addiction. I can fast and believe for prosperity while simultaneously indulging greed. I can intercede and humble myself in worship and believe that God will cleanse me of all iniquity, iniquity while simultaneously be harboring and indulging offense against others. The divided life is ignoring the things that you actually have the power to do something about and asking that God would do something about it for you. God wasn't telling his people to stop fasting. He wasn't telling them to stop praying. And he wasn't telling them to stop sacrificing. He was telling them to stop being hypocrites when they were doing so. So I want to give just a couple of things this morning. What to do when you fast. Because again, I've gone through seasons of my life where I've been fasting, but I've been more focused on the fast than I have been on the pursuit. I've been more focused on the thing that I'm not receiving And that's actually tripped me up from actually receiving what I should be going for. The first one is this, repent. Repent. Like, I mean, here we go. Matthew 5, 21 to 24 says, You have heard it said to your ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. And whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. How many of you realize that Jesus was not all like sunshine and rainbows? I've mentioned this before, but I feel like at times we have this mentality of like hippie Jesus where Jesus was just like going around with all these Zen-like sayings and like tossing bread out here and there to, you know, hungry people and it's making everything so much easier for everyone. I, that, I'll be honest, that does not sound easier to me. What Jesus said is, if you murder somebody, you go to jail. And we're all like, yeah, amen. I get that. He says, but I tell you, if you even have anger in your heart against someone, you're subject to judgment. Ah, I'm subject to a lot of judgment. Listen, there is a difference between spiritual information and spiritual formation. There's a difference between spiritual information and spiritual formation. Spiritual information is knowing things about God. Spiritual formation is being formed into the character of God. They're two very different things. And honestly, there are a lot of believers that we are a lot more comfortable with knowing things about God as opposed to looking like God. We are a lot better, 
We're a lot better about knowing the Bible than being conformed to Scripture. We're a lot better about knowing and being able to regurgitate the things of God rather than actually taking the things of God in. While I absolutely believe that spiritual information is important, if it does not come with spiritual formation, all we are is a clanging gong. Sometimes we view this word repentance as like a deterrent to prayer. Like, oh no, you mean I should repent when I go to God? Maybe I'll just wait until I'm better. Friend, (laughs) your life in Christ started because you can't get better without Him. Why do you think that your life in Christ while you're walking with Him will be much different? The Christian life is one of repentance. Because how many of you recognize that even though when we think about from a practical standpoint, like I am, when when God sees me, he sees his son, he sees the work of Jesus, and yet I am still being formed into the image of Christ. I am being formed into his image daily. The The way that I like to say it is that you have been saved, you are being saved, you will be saved. Somewhere in between, we have to get comfortable with the notion that repentance is something that you are very likely to do on a daily basis. Because how many of you sin on a daily basis? We shouldn't be shying away from repentance. We should be leaning into it because we are flawed people who have access to a perfect God who is making us more like himself. Listen, I love that the scripture that says that your mercies are new every morning. Can I tell you how true that is over every life in this room? That every single morning is another day to look more like Jesus than you did yesterday? Listen, you're not going to be perfect, but you can be better. There you go, under construction. Look, you're in the process of progress, and it's okay to understand that. But the progress comes from repentance. Every day is a new opportunity, listen, to apologize to your kids. It's a new opportunity to apologize to your spouse. It's a new opportunity, God help you, to apologize to your coworkers for not being the person that you know you ought to be in the workplace. How many of you find it a lot easier to be Jesus in your home than Jesus in your workplace? Number two, practice joy. Practice joy. Listen to this. This is Matthew 6. This is, again, this this whole passage of Scripture in Matthew 6. Jesus is is laying out very practical steps for how to pray, how to fast, like how to go before the Father. He says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. I'm going to stop just for a moment and tell you what that looked like. When people were fasting, especially at this point in time, they would literally put sackcloth, which if you've ever seen a burlap sack, imagine clothes made out of a burlap sack. They would, they would take these clothing, they would, they would create this, this clothing, they put it on themselves as a sign of mourning. They would put literal ashes on top of their heads And then they would streak their faces with the ashes. 
That's how you would know many times in ancient Israel that someone was fasting. Not because you, they, you, know, you invited them over to their, you know, your house for dinner and they said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm fasting. But because they would literally walk around in the streets wailing and looking like this. Ah! I'm so hungry for the things of God. But really, I'm just really hungry. (laughs) But listen to what Jesus says here. But truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Like, listen, I've gone through seasons in my life where I really thought it was important to care about what people thought of me. Can I tell you what the reward is for people thinking that you're really spiritual? That's it. Wow. You really got it, man. Thanks, bro. That thanks, bro, was what I received. Listen to what Jesus says. But when you fast, put oil on your head or your beard. Wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Can I tell you something that you really have to be happy about? You get, to a, you get to fast to a God who actually rewards you for doing so. You're not just having a sober October or dry January or like whatever it is that the world is doing for their mental health. Like, listen, whether or not you participate in these kind of like good for you cultural phenomenons, I got to tell somebody in the room, if you didn't know this, you're going to die someday. I know, wild. You're going to die someday. And you know what? When you stand before the throne of God, what he's not going to credit you for is sober October. What he's not going to credit you for is dry January. But if we are fasting because we actually want more of Jesus, we are are granted an eternal reward for something that doesn't cost something of eternal value. Listen, your time is running out. I need to tell somebody in the room, I don't care how old you are, your time is running out. But what I will tell you is this, your time is not eternal. What you receive from giving of your hunger to the Lord is an eternal reward. Your reward doesn't come from me being like, wow, dude, you gave up social media for 21 days. Incredible. Just like 6,000 years of human history other than us. Do you know that Moses never used social media? What a hero of faith. Sorry. You're not just getting right in your routines. By faith, you are storing up for yourself treasure in heaven by a short period of earthly discomfort. You're doing something eternal, and all it will cost you is something that isn't. Number three, and I'm going to have the band come up and help me close. And kind of be honest, this is the most important one. Ask for more of Jesus. Ask for more of Jesus. Can I tell you what I'm not fasting for? I'm not fasting for the 23 visions that I have for 2023. 
I'm not, I'm not fasting for the 23 words that I have for 2023. I'm not fasting for a greater anointing. I'm not fasting for greater breakthrough. I'm fasting for more of the Lord. Sometimes we get really tricky about fasting. We fast for like a greater anointing using like the one verse in the Bible that implies that that's what fasting produces. We fast for provision or healing or breakthrough or revival or salvation for others or, or whatever it is. But I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for every one of God's promises is yes. Listen, listen, listen. In him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. Can I tell you why that should shape something in your spirit right now? Because a lot of times what we are good about saying is we're good about saying all the promises of God are yes and amen. We even sing a song about it. All your promises are yes and amen. Right? Like, good song, but it's missing a key component. Every one of God's promises is yes in Christ. Every one of God's promises, let me put it to you a different way, is fulfilled in the person of Jesus and continues in the person of Jesus. Can I tell you what you don't need? You don't need more breakthrough. You need more of Jesus. Because when you get more of Jesus, you get more of everything that he has, which is the breakthrough of God. You need more Jesus. All of God's promises are yes in him and amen in him. I don't need more breakthrough. I need more of Jesus. I don't need more prosperity. I need more Jesus. I don't need more healing. I need more Jesus. Listen, when Jesus finally showed up at the grave of Lazarus, Mary came to him and said, Lord, if you've only, if you'd only been here, not Lord, if you had only spent this, sent the spirit of healing. You realize that? She didn't say Jesus. If you would have just prayed from afar, if you would have just sent this person or that person or this messenger or that messenger, then he would have been healed. She said, if you had been here, why? Because Jesus is walking, talking, healing. He is breakthrough. He is prosperity. He is everything that you're looking for and you're fasting for and you're praying for. All you need is more Jesus. Because when you get him, you get everything that he is. When you get him, you get everything that he has. When you get him, you get everything that you need. And Jesus' reply was not, man, next time I'll, spend, I'll, I'll send that spirit of healing for you. No, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm it. The resurrection. Fasting is the denial of my own distractions, my own deficiencies, so that I can hear Him and experience Him and focus on Him and receive more of Him. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever gone out to dinner or lunch with somebody that the conversation was so compelling you forgot to eat? I remember one time. It was the first time that I'd actually hung out with my friend Seth Owens, who's a pastor over at Heart of the City Church. We went to some, like, I can't even remember 
what the place we went to eat was because I was so fixated on the conversation, I forgot to eat the food that was in front of me. We talked for like an hour and a half and, and the lady kept like coming over to fill up our coffee and our coffee never went down because we didn't drink any of it. The only thing we were drinking was like occasionally we'd get parched and we'd drink a little bit of water and she'd come back with water. And I was reminded by the Lord as I was putting this message together, he was saying, listen, you need to understand that fasting is not about the food in front of you. It's about the person in front of you. It's not about what you're denying yourself of. When you get more of Jesus, the denial of food doesn't actually matter all that much. That's why when Jesus was fasting for 40 days and nights, oh my gosh, brother Evan, 40 days and 40 nights. Like I barely make it 20 days. And Jesus is just out there like, yeah, man, 40 days. I got this. And the devil comes to him. And why does he use bread? You would think because at 40 days you'd be a little bit hungry. He comes to him and he says, if you'll bow down to me. No, he says, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. You know what Jesus didn't do? The Bible doesn't record that Jesus was like, wow. Whew, this is a real sacrifice. No, I won't do it. I love the Lord. No, his immediate response is, man doesn't live by bread alone. I'm fine out here. You want me to go 45 days? I'll go 45 days. Because what was important wasn't what he was fasting from. It was, it was what he was fasting for. And it was the person he was fasting for. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. We only have a week left. We have a week left in this fast. If you haven't started fasting, start today. But I want to encourage you that if you start today or if you've been going today, if your mindset has been, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to Saturday because that's 21 days. Woo! Can I flip the switch on it a little bit and say, friend, you have six more days, six more days, six more days to look at Jesus in the eye and say, what's in front of me is not as important as who's in front of me. What's in front of me is not as important as who's in front of me. I'm going to focus on the person of Jesus, knowing that if I get him in 2023, that all of the other things that God wants for me, I will receive. See, I'm not going to receive from God because I've got 23 great visions for my life. I'm going to receive from God because every promise of God in Christ is yes and amen. And when I get him, I get all of it.